Grand Rising, everyone. Natalie coming to you live. Spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Sprinkled some cinnamon and cardamom, and that's what I put in it, and it's very good. Whatever. Just one cup a day. Make sure you stay hydrated. I love, absolutely love my coffee. <laughs> um, so, as I was talking yesterday about, you know, being out of integrity, um, and not really talking about these times that we're out of integrity, more talking about the times that we've actually succeeded, and typically we see that with people who are successful. They talk about their success, not really talking about the struggles or the battles, and maybe they do talk about the struggles and battles, but they don't typically talk about it when they're going through it, right? They don't um, sit there and um, tell people, well, here's what I'm going through. Um, and so I think those pieces don't necessarily get enough ten attention. And to be honest with you, we go through more of those phases than we do success phases because, you know, success is fleeting. Um, and I'm not saying that even being out of integrity or the uncomfortable feelings aren't fleeting, um, but they just feel like they last longer. And it's probably because it's the most uncomfortable uncomfortable place to be. Those um, shadow emotions, if you want to call them. Um, I don't like to call them the dark emotions. I'm trying to change my language around this. And I think that culture culturally, we need to start changing the language around light and dark because it's not about light and dark. Light and dark is really a construct that we made up in order to separate things. Um, you know, so there is light and dark. I'm not saying there's not, but I think when we talk about you know, these emotions that are uncomfortable to deal with, instead of calling them dark emotions, um, I don't, I wouldn't say they were dark emotions. I think they're transformational emotions. I think they're emotions that help us to um, sort of expand consciousness, allow us to um, shed or perhaps um, grow and understand things that we didn't understand before. And it's almost hard to get out of the narrative of like shed light on it, right? Or open up our eyes to something. So as we go through these uncomfortable times, as we are out of integrity, hello, crazy. I don't know who these people are, but good morning to you. Thank you for joining. Crazy, is it Kyle? <laughs> and Katie Wabis? <laughs> Katie Wabis. Wab Wabis. Oh, forget it. I'm messing that all up. I apologize. So, you know, I wouldn't say dark emotions. I would just say these uncomfortable emotions and they're there for a purpose and we don't necessarily talk them, uh, talk about them that way. We don't say, oh, hey, it's great to feel depressed. It's great to feel crappy today. You know, we more like, oh, I don't want to feel this. I want to feel that instead of honoring and meeting ourselves where we're at, right? It's like someone meets us where we're at. Like, for instance, if you're in a dark See, it's hard to get around the language, but if you're in a space where you're not feeling good, where you're depressed, you're angry, you're hurt, you're sad, um, you know, whatever the uncomfortable emotion is, it's always nice when someone can just meet you there. That doesn't mean that they keep you there or hold you there, but they're able to understand and empathize with you through that process. Not trying to get you to move anywhere else, but allowing you to have the space to have that emotion. We don't do that. We're always trying to get out of it, right? How do I escape it? How do I, it's almost like a straitjacket is on us and we're trying to escape something that we can't feel like we can't escape rather than allowing ourselves to set into it. And in fact, if you notice, 
the people that do escape from anything, they remain calm in the situation. So even the people that are in straitjackets, right? They don't tense up, they relax their body and they wiggle their self out of it. So rather than being tense within the situation, allow yourself to be loose and allow yourself to feel through it. It's like you'll fall through the cracks, right? It's almost like um, if you're, Tai Chi is a great way or a great example for this. So Tai Chi, if people didn't know, is what they call the grand ultimate fist. It's actually the most deadly form of Kung Fu. People don't know that. And it's a redirect of energy. There's no, there's no force in it. And this is why Tai Chi is beautiful. You're not forcing back the energy. You're redirecting the energy. And if we can learn to do that with our emotions, especially the ones that are uncomfortable, we redirect them, we transform them, and but we allow ourselves to sit in it comfortably, as comfortable as possible. When we start to tense up, there's resistance, and that resistance isn't going to allow it to move. It hold it like traps it. It like traps the energy. So think about it in terms of your muscles when you're getting a massage. Relax into the massage. Hello, Omar. How are you? Haven't seen you in a long time. How has it been? So relax into the massage. And when you relax into the massage, you allow your muscles to actually relax. And then they can get in there, right, and work out the kinks. But if you tense up, you're holding in the energy. Now, it's not easy. Now, I'm not saying it's easy because anxiety especially, and I think we're in anxiety-ridden. I don't know crazy where you're from. I don't know if you're the, from the U.S. or whatnot but i do think that the um capitalism is totally um <laughs> infiltrating every single part of the world which i would call that the american way the capitalist way um where anxiety we're in ridden by anxiety everybody is experiencing the anxiety and that to me is the most uncomfortable space to be besides maybe depression where i've sat a little bit. I believe it was depression. Like I was saying yesterday, I'm sure they would have clinically said, well, you're depressed. And I would have said, well, I don't necessarily like the clinical term of depression. It felt more like emptiness. Um, it felt more like I didn't have a purpose. It felt more like I didn't know which direction I was going to go. Okay. And, and, and that's weird for me. It's not a space I've ever experienced. It's new. It's a new experience for me. So how do I maneuver through it? but I'm not going to allow myself to sit there forever. I'm going to move through it. I'm going to sit there in, in the uncomfortable and allow myself to experience the experience, but I'm not going to stay in the experience forever. Now, typically what we do is when we drop into an experience of, say, depression, anxiety, anger, frustration, hurt, and all these uncomfortable feelings, we, we try to move away from it. We're trying to run from it, and it, we can't. We can't outrun it. So we have to be able to drop into it. Let it set the pace for us, right? Instead of us trying to outrun it, what, where are we meeting it? Are we meeting it where it's at? And are we looking at it and then trying to understand what, what's actually going on? Now, there's a couple of things that we can look at to say, well, what's going on? Health is a big piece of that. How, we, how healthy we are. Okay. I'm fine. I was busy these days. Graduation, but I'm finally free. Oh, yay. Graduation. Congratulations. And you graduated with your bachelor's, correct? And then what did you graduate with? And congratulations. 
Yeah, life is about experiencing. You're the narrator of your own story. Absolutely, we do narrate our own story. Sometimes we don't feel that way, though, right? Sometimes we feel as though it's being narrated for us, or we don't even understand what's being narrated at times, right? We don't understand. So it, if we don't understand what's being narrated or we don't understand what exactly the story is, right, then it's like, okay, how do we move through this? How do we how do we allow ourselves to set into it? So experience the experience. Allow yourself to experience and really question what is it that I'm feeling here? What is what is really taking form within my psyche, my mind, my body? Now your physical health is gonna be critical because literally it's it's crazy. Everything is interconnected, but it's crazy. If your body is off. If any part of your body is off, you're going to have an, an experience, especially hormones. Hormones are huge, right? And it's really weird because they actually make us feel a certain way. They can actually make us feel sad, angry, happy, hungry. I mean, all of these hormones kind of give us signals and cues about how to feel. So sometimes we think, oh, you know, like we're angry. For instance, I had low iron at one point. And I had to get infusions, but when my iron was low, I felt crabby and I felt irritated all the time. And I was like, where is this irritation coming from? That's not me, but I feel it. I feel agitated. I don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone. Don't touch me. Don't come around me. And I'm like, but that's not me naturally. So something was going on. Well, what was going on was that my health was out of whack. Now that it's back in, in line, now I feel myself, hey, P, hey GP man, I see, I, I feel myself going, oh, well, that's what it was. So health is important. If you're feeling depressed, you know, I would, I would look at your vitamin D. It's crazy. These things are linked together. And, but what we do, right, is we go and we say, oh, well, they clinically diagnosed me as depressed. And now they're giving me these pills that are supposed to make me happy with all these side effects that end up making me depressed anyway. Instead of saying, okay, where is my body lacking the nutrients? Your body was created whole, perfect, and complete. We have all the things we need in order to live a fruitful, happy, joyful life. But if, there, if there's anything off within our body, anything and in the hormonal and vitamins and minerals and all this stuff if it's off if our ph levels are off if we're not drinking enough water all this stuff if we're not like actually feeding our body like a plant right to thrive then we're going to be off mentally it, it's just a fact a malnourished person a person who doesn't sleep a person who doesn't have enough water is going to start experiencing some psychological issues, right? So your health is critical. Uh, University of Physical Education. Okay, then if physical education, you probably know about the health part that I'm talking about. And then we can draw ourselves into being healthy again. But you've got to ask yourself, what is it that I need? And you got to drop into that uncomfortable, meet your emotions where they're at. Not an easy process, and especially with anxiety. I think for me, I don't know what it is for you guys. And I'll tell you that the maybe the depression piece is equally as hard because um, I think it feels to me felt like um, I'm going to say it was depression. I don't really know. I mean, I'm not going to go to somebody and get clinically diagnosed with depression and all this stuff. I'm just going to allow my body to go through the transition and transformations it needs to and questions. But I'd imagine 
that depression feels like an emptiness. Like you don't have anything to live for. Like there's nothing left. Like, okay. Like no purpose. And I'd imagine that's what it feels like. And that's what I went through where I was like, well, I'm done. Hey, that guy. <laughs> and I felt, okay, I'm done. So now what? No. So what do I do? I'm, I'm done. And then you go, okay, God, I'm ready. Let's go. Take me away. <laughs> and then it's like the universe goes, God, universe, whatever you call it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Not, it's not your time, honey. Keep going. And then you go, okay, well, what is it? Well, let me drop into this uncomfort. Let me drop into this emptiness. Let me drop, drop into the void or let me drop into the anxiety. What does it truly feel like? What is my body telling me? What is the wisdom of my body saying to me? What is it drawing forth? What is it asking of me? So then you go, okay, it's asking that I do this or that. And your soul or your internal essence is going to call forth something. It's going to give you direction. And then you move in that direction. But most people don't, right? Most people will just like be like, nah, that's good. I'm good. And they go in the opposite direction, not really listening to that internal calling. And what um, I would say G James Hillman calls the acorn theory, um, which I think I'm going to probably based a lot of my um, research on is the foundation of the acorn theory where we <clears throat> internally have the pattern, the blueprint was already there for us. And that blueprint will actually start to generate itself if we allow it to. Um, the thing with individuals or people is we get in the way of our own self and then we um, allow these um, uncomfortable feelings to take over, take the reins, rather than being with them. We get to befriend them is what they call it. Befriend your uncomfortable emotions. Befriend them, be with them, talk to them, nurture them, find out what's going on with them. You know, you can have whole dialogues. I mean, I did. we did whole paintings around them, right? If there's an anxiety, paint it or do something artistic around it ask it questions. You can talk to yourself. I'm going to give you permission to talk to yourself all day long. I do. You're like, what? I'm like, oh, I'm just talking to myself. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just having a whole dialogue with myself, just trying to figure out what's going on. And that's okay. That's perfectly perfect. Talking to your anxiety. What do you want from me? Where, why are you here? What are you trying to tell me? What is it that you're informing me about? How come you're showing up in my life at this moment? What is it that I'm not paying attention to? And you'll get the answer. You see yourself will talk back to you. <laughs> your cells are going to communicate with you. Your body's going to communicate with you. Your body has a wisdom greater than you have for your own self. Think about it. Your body's wiser than you, your brain. <laughs> Our brains make up shit, right? Well, the body doesn't make anything up. The body just operates. It's wise. It knows what to do. It has instructions. It understands that it needs to plump your blood. It understands that the heart needs to beat. It understands that the lungs need to filter filter in the oxygen and let go of the carbon dioxide, whatever it does. Your, your kidneys know what they need to do. Your gallbladder, everything in your body is wise and knows what to do. We never ask it questions. We just let it go and we don't even talk to our body.
for the wisdom that it's calling for. If you're experiencing anxiety, it's probably a part of your body's yelling at you and you're not listening to it. Something inside of you is saying, hey, dude, you're doing this wrong, or woman, or whatever. You're just not, something's off. And when we talk to our bodies, they give us the wisdom. Our body has wisdom beyond our own understanding. You see, we're not making our heart beat. I, I'm not here pumping my heart. I would, I, trust me, I would fail. I would die in a matter of minutes. <laughs> right? Our monkey mind goes all over the place. It can't even stay focused on one thing all the time. We're constantly moving and thinking and this and that and moving around. You know, but we get the luxury to start to contemplate life through our brains, which is cool. They call it consciousness <laughs> and they call it complex consciousness that we get to sort of look at life and try to understand it and experience it. But we're not operating the body. The body's operating us and we think it's opposite. You see, the body's just working. There are so many processes happening right now. You are a universe. Your body is beyond a universe. Think about it that way. And all these processes that are happening in your body at this very moment, you're not doing it. The body is doing it. I mean, it's pretty freaking phenomenal when you think about it. Trust me, I'm getting my nutrition certification because I'm doing a whole entire um, transition. You only get body, one body, you must take care of it. Yeah. And it's crazy because if people really understand all the intricacies of what our body does, our cell, cellular reproduction, respiratory, our hearts, our everything, every piece of the body is like intelligent and doing these amazing things that we don't, who's doing it? How is it operating? It's really kind of phenomenal. And if you can't, if people can't see the beauty in that or understand that, then, you know, I'm, not, I'm confused. I'm going like, how do you not understand that this body that you have is a universe and it's operating without you having to do anything? It's wise enough to understand. I mean, that's pretty badass, to be honest with you. I mean, seriously, I was looking at all these like cellular reproduction right? How body um, needs water for hydration and what it does when you eat and how the body breaks things down. Like we're not having to do all that. The instructions were already there. It's, I mean, it's, it's weird <laughs> when you, when you really think about it, it's kind of weird. Something's operating this thing that we didn't create. I didn't create me, right? You didn't create you. <laughs> It's quite phenomenal, to be honest with you. And I think we forget that. Um, so when the body or when our mind is telling us that we're depressed, when our mind is telling us that we have anxiety, when our mind is telling, when our body is saying this, it's it's a body issue. It's an issue in the body. It's like we need to find the wisdom in our body to move past it. And that means we get to set into it. Meet our body where it's at. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I would say this. Fine. See your doctors if you like traditional medicine, but I would say first ask your body what it's telling you, what it's calling forth. What does it want? 
What is your body saying, I need at this moment? If it's anxiety that you're feeling, which was the hardest one for me to get through, right? I didn't know how to move through it. I was totally lost. I was like, how do I get through this anxiety? I've never felt it before. I don't know how to work with it. I don't, it's uncomfortable. I, you know, I was trying to run away from it that, you know, and I was trying to do all these weird things. And what I found, right? Because going through therapy, which I highly encourage everybody gets a coach and a therapist. I'm a coach and I coach people and I get coached and I have a therapist. So highly encourage you to do that for the sake of understanding things that you don't necessarily can't get to the root of yourself. Like I'm experiencing this thing. I don't know how to move through it. I don't know how to operate it. And the suggestion was ground yourself, right? Ground yourself and then touching warm water became my practice. Literally washing dishes became the practice for me. Touching the water, being able to do something that would get my mind off of everything helped me move through the anxiety. Not get rid of it, but actually move through it and to be with it and to befriend it and to drop into it and not to resist it. Because the resistance is just going to trap it there. It's not going to allow it to move forward. We've got to sort of like drop into it and then release it rather than grip onto it and hold it in. It's, it can't go anywhere if we're trapping that energy in us. Um, I had that experience before, not sleeping before it was depression about the final test, but it's gone now, sleep. Um, water is important. Yeah, the soul. Um, feed your soul and your body, yes. Um, yeah, but sometimes the mental health is not stopping like a cycle, and it won't stop. The mental health is not a never-ending cycle. Here's the difference, and this is what's beautiful. And this is, I've said this a million times, and I'm going to say it again. The only difference between the master and the beginner is practice. And that's it. It's just practice. When you learn to practice to move through these emotions, you see the Buddha, the, the Christ, the all of these sages, these people, it's not that they don't get agitated. It's not that they don't get depressed. It's not that they don't get anxiety. It's not that they don't experience these things. It's that when they feel the experience come up, they know how to practice to transform it into something different. And it gets so fast that it's almost like it doesn't exist. But you never escape those feelings in this three-dimensional time space. No one does. It's not, no one does. Why? Because we're a body. We're an entire universe and not everything's going to be in balance all the time. We're constantly looking for the equilibrium, right? Which is what Buddhism offered us that how do we find the middle path? Well, the middle path is not just about our mind. It's about our body too. How do we balance our body so that we're experiencing all interconnected? Everything is interconnected. And the older we get, the further away from balance our body gets, right? If we're not taking care of it, it starts to go off balance. Our mind starts to go off balance. If we're not tending to our thoughts, we're not tending to our, our consciousness. If we're not tending to our mind, 
it goes off balance. It can go to one extreme or the other. In other words, if we're not tending to it, we can stay stuck in these uncomfortable situations for like ever. And that would be terrible, right? And then you have those people who end up doing crazy things because they're not balancing it out. And they're not working to balance it out. And they're getting stuck further and further into one side. When, but it's not that we don't, like for me, it's not that I don't experience these things. I just, and I haven't talked about them because I rarely go through them. But this is a big transformation in my life, right? When you hit, I would say nearly midlife, okay? Some people are like, oh, you're not midlife yet. But I'm pretty much midlife. I'm just going to say it because, yeah, people are living longer or whatever. But about my age is about midlife. That's what I'm going to say. Okay, might be a little younger under, but doesn't matter. I think through the the rites of passage and the way that we evolve and the way we develop as human beings, I'm at a place where my life is going to shift drastically. I'm entering into a whole different phase of my life. Now, this is not a baby phase. This is like an entire makeover of my life, a complete transformation and shift into. And the difference between this phase and the phase before, and I loved it because my therapist put it in a really cool way, and this is why I love her, and this is why I go to her. She said, in the first phase of your life, you're you're like an art, right? You're you're painting a canvas, okay? 40s the new 20. It's true. I agree. <laughs> I do agree. However, mentally, not so much. <laughs> not for me anyway. As I feel ancient, <laughs> uh, I do feel like a kid too. So don't, you know, don't get me wrong. But the transition between the two, right, is a rites of passage where our life completely shifts and changes and molds into something new. Now, the first part of our life, which I like, you can see it as a canvas, right? So we have this blank canvas and we're learning so we're pulling out paintbrushes and we're pulling out the paint and we're painting our art. Our life is like this big white canvas. We don't know what it is and we're trying to paint it. We're trying to bring it to life. We're putting color on it. We're painting it. Maybe it's a big mess. Maybe it's very abstract. Some people have very narrow lines. Some people have, you know, they're trying to paint this perfect picture, whatever it is, right? But we all have our canvas and we're painting it. So we can say that the first part of life, that's what we're doing. And here's the distinction between the next part of life. The next part of life, we're not given a canvas. We're given maybe a piece of wood or we're given um, a piece of metal or we're given a piece of block, right, of stone. And what do we do with this stone? What do we do with this block, wood, all that stuff? We take away and extract. We become sculptors, in other words. Rather than adding something to the canvas, we're taking away what's not supposed to be there. We're taking out the things that don't fit and we're putting them aside and we're saying, nope, and we're sculpting our life. That is such a powerful distinction and it's actually makes sense even being um, like mason right that's masonry work and that's what they did in masonic lodges that's what they talk about 
How do we construct our life? How do we chisel away? Now, if you look at the Masons, they use all geometrical stuff. They have the tools to carve out. To And what is it telling us? It's telling us that we are the sculptors of our life. We are the ones who get to create the mold that we want to see. And we do that by extracting things. The first part of life, we're putting stuff on. Now we're like, that's too much shit. I don't want all this. Now I know what I don't want. And you start to take away and you start to say, okay. And your life starts to look like this beautiful sculpted art piece. And I think that that's a powerful way to look at life. Like such a powerful way. And that's where I'm at. I'm sculpting my life. What is it that I love? What is it that I want to do? And what does not fit into my life? Instead of trying to fit everything in, I'm taking away. Pretty cool, actually. And I've taken away a lot. And what I have left, and this is what I'm starting to mold and shape, <coughs> nutrition, health. Those are the things that I love. Those are the things that I naturally do. I eat healthy. I work out. I do Kung Fu. And that's literally my life. Now, how do I support and share that with others? That's the next phase. How do I support that? And how do I get people to understand that their health is the most important thing that they can focus on? That, that that's a priority. <coughs> When they make that their priority, then they can feel great to do the other things that they want to do. But without their health, you know, no money can buy health. I don't care how much money you put into your body. You can't, you're not going to feel the same as though if you put the money into preventative health measures into and making sure. So I'm chiseling away and what I'm left with is that there's other pieces too, like pleasure. And, and the, that's a bigger piece that I know that the, the podcast eventually will go in that direction of talking about pleasure, sensuality, sexuality. What does it mean? How do we reconnect to our pleasure? <clears throat> and that is the journey. Am I ready to go into it and discuss it? Not necessarily yet. But that will be the way that this podcast starts to go, is really talking about sexuality, about people reconnecting to pleasure and understanding what that means to them and understanding how to reconnect to sexuality and understand that that peace is where our power exists. And when we start to connect to that and men and women can start to understand what sexuality and sensuality means to each other. And we can start to understand how, what pleasure means among two individuals coming together um, and then start healing around that. I think there could be a true healing ignited within both men and women. It's not a one thing or another or one up or oh this and that, but there are a lot of things in the body that need to be discussed. Affection is important. It is. It's, it's, it's critical and we're so disconnected from it. And so for me, 
I'm trying to figure out what that is for me before I can even share it here. How can I share what I don't necessarily 100% know in myself that I'm reconnecting to myself? How can I share changing or moving or making a big shift in this phase of my life when I've yet to make the full jump? I can't necessarily, hey, Tom, talk about it. I can talk about the phase that I'm in, but I, I, I preach what I practice. I don't practice what I preach. I'm not going to sit here and talk about all of these glorified things that I want to do. And that's what most people do, you know. And I'm not even going to talk about it glorified when I do reach there, but I'm going to talk about the journey that that took me there. Because that journey is where the gold lies. That's where the gems are. It's the journey. It's not the it's not the destination. It's not when you get there. When you get there, yeah, it's great. And then you're like, what did I learn along the way? Those gems are what's important. So as we take those gems along the way, yeah, we could take our treasure with us and be like, okay, I got to the finish line. Or we can say, you know what? I'm going to leave this piece behind for you. And I'm going to leave that piece behind for you. And then you get to your destination and then there's all this abundance and now you're ready for something new. So that's the phase that I'm in. It's a huge transformation. It's a huge shift in my life. It's not small and it comes at kind of midlife. <laughs> Although it wouldn't be midlife yet, because like you said, 40 is the new 20 and whatever. But <laughs> but I would still say it, it it feels that way, right? It feels like I'm ready for this whole transformation in my life. And there are people who hit that point that don't know how to move through it. They don't know how to move through it. And they go through what they call, quote unquote call midlife crisis. No one's telling them it's a rite of passage. They're calling it a crisis instead of a passage. No one knows how to walk over the bridge, under the bridge, through the bridge. I don't care how they get to the other side, but no one's showing them or telling them. They're saying they're crazy. They give them pills. They numb them out. They say, go back to the other side of the bridge. You don't need to be gone the other side. There's nothing for you. Burn the bridge. I don't know what they're saying. And me, I'm saying I ain't burning the bridge. Hey, bestie. I'm not burning the bridge. I'm going to find my passage to the other side. Now, I don't know how the passage is going to be. It's going to be crazy. There might be some heavy waters. I might fall through the crowd. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that I'm going to get to the other side. And that's a rite of passage. And when you hit midlife, you start going through rites of pa passage. I am the bridge. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can be the bridge as well. And you could go back and forth. But midlife crisis is not a midlife crisis. It's a rite of passage. So let's just normalize that. You're starting to chisel away at your life. Become the mason of your life. You're starting to take that big rock that you created and you're chiseling away the art. You're pulling it out. You're extracting what doesn't need to be there so that you can actually sculpt your life into perfection. Like, how cool is that? Right? We've already added too much shit to our canvas. Now we got to take it away. I'll swim with you. Yes, bestie. I'll need to get on your back like the gingerbread man. Except don't eat me. Sometimes we escape from the experience and choose the easy way. I did that before. But since I start to be more social, experience a lot of things I'm good experience and I learned from the past. <coughs> yes. 
We absolutely do. We try to escape the experience. Now, midlife crisis people, stop calling midlife crisis. It's not. It's a rite of passage. And you are transitioning into a new phase of your life. And the best way to do it when you're in midlife is not to um, freaking paint something. You've already had too much paint on your canvas. It's to extract and take away the things that are not serving you anymore. Let it go. Just let it go. And start to put in the things that fulfill you, the things that make you happy, the things that you know you're joyful when you're doing it. And the rest can just be sort of set off to sale. Let it go. And then you chisel out and there you go. You become, I don't know, Michelangelo. Who did sculpting? Who was the be best sculptor? I don't remember. Leonardo da Vinci did sculpting. He was really good, but he left stuff half done sometimes. He wouldn't finish it. <laughs> That's what I found out. They would get pissed at him because he wouldn't finish it. But that's why the Masons were so entirely revered because they could see this piece of block and they can already tell what needed to be extracted from that block in order to create this divine art or this sculpture. That's your life right now. And I'm almost certain it's everyone who's on here. Hi, good evening from my side. You are correct. Each sentence is true. Beautiful voice. You have like a strong lady like you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, Krishna. Are you um, in India? So, again, sculpting your life. Go out and sculpt your life. Figure out what your block is. <laughs> Figure out what needs to be taken out. And another thing um, that my therapist said that was really kind of cool, she said that the people who are actually sculptors can look at a piece of rock. They can look at it and already tell what needs to be taken out. They, they just look at it and know. Okay. So that's what the Masons were doing. That's what they talk about. They're all based on Masonic principles. Yay, you're from India. Strong girl. Nice. Love it. What part of India? And so when you look at your life, you're going to ask yourself what needs to be extracted. You already know. That's the thing is that at a certain age, you already know what you need to let go of. If you don't, then you have some journeying to do and some awareness you need to be <laughs> opening your eyes to. But I would imagine that everybody on here is highly self-aware and open and understands what needs to be extracted and let go of you don't you don't even have to just throw it away like it's nothing you can go put the stone in another place and set it nicely for somebody else to pick up doesn't mean you have to be like throw it or you could throw it to the water let it swim down or if you want to throw it and crack it and break it that's up to you too however you want to do it but the pieces that don't need to be there extract them and let them go and start to be the mason of your life start to chisel out the parts of your life that are so important to you and masterpiece at the end, right? Isn't that what we're here to do? Our final, <laughs> our final art piece, right? We've been molding, we've been playing it with clay. We've been doing all this stuff 
And now we get into the phase where we're starting to refine our art. We're starting to refine our life. We're starting to understand, you know, I heard people say, I wish I would have known back then what I know now. No, I don't. I don't. Someone said, if you go back, this is a, hey, Natalie, some guy asked me, if you could go back and give yourself advice when you were younger, what would you say? I said, I wouldn't say shit. I would give myself a hug. I did just fine. We're all alive here. So we did just fine as kids. <laughs> Whatever we learned, we were supposed to learn. I wouldn't take that away. That was for us to learn. That was our journey. We should honor it. We should be proud of it. We should be proud that we're here today on this podcast, joining together to talk about chiseling our life to the next phase. Like we made it this far. <laughs> I'm not going to go give myself advice. Whatever I was doing then, I was supposed to be doing. The only reminder I would give is that you're loved and hug. That's it. Hug. A tight hug for a very long time. That's it. No words need to be said. I would have never asked that girl to prom. <laughs> I still regret it. <coughs> well. Look at the regret, <laughs> and is it really regret, or did it teach you something about chiseling out your life, right? What what, what the do's and don'ts are. How would you know not to if you didn't do it, see? All right, so there you go. I'm going to start reading into sort of the Mason stuff and chiseling your life and see what a sculptor really does, because I think that the analogies um, or the way that they operate <laughs> excuse me, there are, could be applied to our psyche and our mind and how we sort of build our, our consciousness and our life. And I think that that's how I'm going to start to build my life going forward. I'm not going to use a canvas and paint. I'm going to extract things that I don't need anymore <clears throat> and let the art reveal itself. Okay. So there you have it. Um, been a wonderful talk this morning. Thank you guys for showing up. Thank you for being a part of Spirit and Coffee. I love you guys so, 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 so much. Um, and have the most blessed day ever. Bye-bye.